I would add to that is do your research. Like a lot of us, we we watch anime or we watch different shows, and we think that the country will be like the show, and it is not like that in reality. So I would say to do your research and to to understand exactly what you're getting yourself into, so that when you do go to the country, you're not you're not blindsided by what you see there so just do your do your research there are good things that you're gonna find out and there are bad things you're gonna find out but either way just do your research and try not to go through this transition on your own because it can be lonely but if you have help Welcome back to the Visible at Work podcast, the show that shares what to do after you get the job. Designed to help you navigate workplace issues and unlock executive opportunities through communication. I'm your host and you're welcome today. I have a very special guest with me today. And um, you know I always bring you very, very special guests. But she is currently speaking with me from Japan. Yes, Dana Jackson here all the way from Japan and she moved from Jamaica. She's a writer, speaker and also a podcaster. She's a creative entrepreneur but she also has a day job and she she teaches English and she's passionate about helping women find their unique voices and build their confidence to be bold and heaven in their lives. And she has a very unique story on how she moved across the world to Japan and now she's fulfilling a God-given purpose. When she's not working on her podcast, which has a very special name called She Is A Mess. <laughs> mess yeah. for a message. You'll find her binge-watching Doctor Who or listening to a good audiobook and trying the best not to spend her entire paycheck at the Daisyo 100 yen store. So it's been been an interesting experience over these past three and a half years and i'm super excited to talk to you and just kind of share what your audience needs to hear work and we'd just like to hear your own story and how you're able to navigate those issues for yourself and doing what you do in japan so first off morning you say ohayou gozaimasu if you are saying it's in the afternoon it's konnichiwa if you are saying it in the evening, it's konbanwa. And if you are, it depends, it, it's, there are different slangs. So you can be like, yo, as well. So it depends. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> I like that. So, and um, yes, you also said we, you can call, we can call you D for short. So yes, yeah. Yeah. So D as well. That, that, that also sounds good. Thank you so much Dave, for being on the podcast. So do you just tell us a little bit about your um, your move? How was it? I'm sure you've probably settled down um, compared to two years ago, but what was it like for you the first few months when you moved to Japan from Jamaica? All right, so I moved to Japan in July 2016. It was on the JET program, which is a Japan exchange teaching program. And I was one of about 13 people that came here in July. And I was sent to Okinawa, which is a small island at the base of Japan. And I was sent to an outer island, which is off of the mainland. So I lived on an island of about 4,700 people. 
And I was the first black person they had ever seen in their entire lives. The first black person, the first black woman. And I was the only foreigner at the time living on the island. So you can imagine that there were tons of questions and tons of experiences. Some made me cry and some I am happy that I went through. For the first couple of months, I had these Japanese teachers that were team teaching with me. So it wasn't super um, bad. I think the first within the first week I I was being shown around the island and a woman asked me like how many times a day do you shower you're so dark and I was like uh, how many times a day do you shower and it was just a weird <laughs> oh conversation <my> and <laughs> I had people ask me like are you sunburned and I would have kids who just wouldn't who would refuse to touch me because they just swore that I would the black would rub off and I think what helped me to really cope and to really navigate that situation was I learned Japanese and I was able to really talk to the students sometimes talk to the, the Japanese teachers who I was team teaching with and then have them explain what they were doing to me as a foreigner and what it was what it could be like if they were to move to a foreign country would they want that same kind of treatment and so with the Japanese teachers you were able to kind of work out a sort of arrangement where the, the like they couldn't touch my hair unless I was allowed to touch their hair um there was no poking and prodding it was kind of like getting to know each other through different activities in the classroom so that we could try to avoid or try to like um bridge the gap between cultures some mm. of it worked some of it didn't but um it, overall it was definitely an interesting way to kind of build that relationship Hmm, I like your experience. <laughs> so pretty much um, putting themselves in your shoes, I like the way um, the teachers were able to help you um, adapt and also help them adapt as well. Because wow, seeing the first, I'm sure most of them have never seen a black person before and um, probably their first time, yeah. And, um, you know, just, I, I was about to even ask you when you said um, that the the Japanese teachers said, okay, no touching of hair. I was about to ask you that. Did anybody try to touch your hair? <laughs> you know, because sometimes it's so easy to have this notion that everybody looks in a certain way, but everybody's different. So you can't expect to look in a certain way and just expect that everybody should look like you. So that must have been quite an experience for you. It definitely was. I think uh, one of the main things is that in Japanese culture, touching other people's hair is rude. But for foreigners, they don't see you as a Japanese person. So they don't really see you as a person sometimes. So them touching you is no big deal. So I had to kind of show them physically, like when they touch me, I kind of touched them. I saw them jerk back and say like, yes, that is how I feel when mm. you touch me and I don't know you. It's kind of like how people love rubbing the bellies of pregnant women, but then if they were to rub the other person's belly, they would feel weird. It's kind of like that experience. I had to really show them like, hey, you're making me kind of feel like a puppy, so I don't really appreciate that. So let me show you what it's like. And then after that, we kind of had a laugh about it, but they're like, okay, now we get it. So now they, whenever I was around them, they would like tell people, hey, don't touch your hair because you know, it's like, so it really taught them something. Hmm. So do you, do you still live on that island now or you've moved to a different city? I moved from Okinawa last 
October. So I now live on mainland Japan, which is completely different than Okinawa. Okinawa was more island, laid back. Mainland Japan is not. Mm, fast paced, right? Fast paced, more suits. I never wore a suit really until I moved here. Things are a lot more complex. People are a lot more like I guess professional sense that they're not super they're not as laid back like Okinawa has a thing called Okinawa time where it's kind of like Jamaican time where they tell you it starts at 10 but it really starts at like 10 45 in <laughs> mainland Japan if, it's, if they say it starts at 10 it starts at 9 40 <laughs> so big difference yeah yeah so even within a country like moving into a different city every city has its own norm and its own vibes and um You've been able to see that for yourself and uh, i yeah and i really like like you you mentioned like your own personal journey of just taking that leap to move and um, experience a different culture for yourself it must have been very um i'm looking for the right word to say so it must have been very um both difficult because you you said you left your failed marriage and make certain wrong decisions that you had made and you decided to move across the world to Japan from Jamaica. So how was that move for you? How was that transition for you? Did it take you a while to get to that point where you wanted to join the exchange program or you were already thinking about it for a while before you moved? All right, so to be very honest, when I imagined my life as a young child, I never imagined myself living anywhere but Jamaica. I imagined myself, you know, growing up and going to college, getting married after college, having babies, becoming like the super mom and the super spouse and just being like that family that you see in those movies. And when things didn't work out that way, I end up going downhill and going into depression, becoming suicidal, and just doing all these things that had I not gone through all of that, I would not never have done. And I just became someone I did not recognize anymore. And I just felt like I needed an escape. So I started um, studying Japanese. When I started studying Japanese, which is like the weirdest way to get things off of your mind, by the way. Mm. But I started studying Japanese. And while studying Japanese, I was introduced to two people who were applying for this thing called the JET program. And I was like, well, Japan is super far, one. You are crazy for moving across the world, two. Why would I do that? But my Japanese teacher, she was a, such a nice person and she would talk about life there. And she'd be like, you know what? You should definitely apply. And a year after joining the school, I was like, okay. So in 2016, um, March, I think, I was, no, 2015 March, I was like, all right, I really am at rock bottom here in Jamaica. I feel like I'm losing my mind. I feel like I, if I stay here, I will not be alive much longer. I need to go. So I applied for the program and I basically, before I even got accepted, I started acting as if I was accepted. I started selling my stuff. I started saving. I started closing out different accounts because in my mind, I was going. So even if I hadn't gotten through the program, I was still going. So I just kind of put it where I had no other choice but to leave. So I put that kind of mindset on and that led me to being accepted and to leaving. So it was for me, it was a life or death situation. I had no, it was not choice. It was something mm. I had to do. Mm. Wow. Wow. And um, it's amazing how you 
you know, you, you said that even in the midst of like the turmoil and everything that was happening in your personal life, you still took the time, started learning a, a new language and then got into the program, waiting to get, in, get into the program. And then you were making all these plans and everything. Some people react differently to some situations when things happen to them. Some people just close up and then, yes, they're sad, they're in a dire situation, but they don't do any, like they don't take any step. But you you had already started taking steps and then hopefully waiting to get the call. And then you got the call to join the program. So I must really commend you for that. And um, what was the inspiration behind get starting the your podcast with the message because now you have your own message um so what was the inspiration behind starting that so funny enough i had bought a domain called she's a mess.com sometime last year before last year yeah and i had no clue what to do with the domain it was just there i was thinking of doing a blog or just something to with it i'm like ah she's a mess because i've seen people like she's light she's this and i was like you know what she's a mess so <laughs> i sat there for a while and i didn't know what to do with the domain and then in i think august of this year i had another website that i had worked on for many years and i was super like invested a whole bunch of money to that website and I had launched a course, it was $97, it was called, um, it was a confidence course and it completely bomb failed, like nobody bought anything, it was just like, yes, the end of the road. And I was so lost and confused because I was like, why after all of this work that I put in, after all of this sacrifice I made, the hours I spent making video, why would this fail? And I was super lost for a while and I was like, God, what is going on in my life? What are you doing? Like, why is why are things not working out? And my mom said, why don't you just wait a little bit? Wait on the Lord and see what's going to happen. And as a Christian, waiting is not just you sitting down, not doing anything. So yeah. a friend of mine is like, all right, why don't you wait? So focus on doing something else and not, um, not the, the main website. So I was like, all right, what is what else do I like to do? So one day I was sitting down and I was just thinking about the domain, thinking about the domain. And a voice said to me like, why don't you have conversations with people who are going through stuff with your cheeseamess.com? Why don't you start a podcast? And I was like, who is going to want to listen to a show called Cheeseamess? Like who? <laughs> Who would, if you think about that, like, that's not a very nice term. But then God is like, nah, Dana, you're looking at it the wrong way. She is not just a mess. She's not just going through stuff. She's a message. Like, underneath all of the things that she's going through, underneath all of that stress, that pain, that turmoil, lies a message in there that will be able, that if she's able to see it, she can then use to transform somebody else's mess. And I was like, you know what? You are right. And... I have made many mistakes in my life, but I've also learned a lot of lessons from it. And I, God is like, you should tell people about your story. Tell people the mistakes you've made. Tell people the lessons you've learned. And hopefully you can then help them who are going through similar or the same things, not take the same path that you did, not make the same mistakes that you did. Because Sometimes all we need is for somebody to understand what we're going through to be able to forge a new path for ourselves. And I was like, you know what? Yes, I am 
we are all messes in one way or another but in our hearts in our lives in our mess lies a message and i want to help women to find their voice to find the strength and the courage and the confidence to share what they're going through because we have been we have been told for so long that we can be too too messed up too broken too too ugly too stupid too whatever to ever do something with our lives and that's not true no matter how far gone you are you are never too far gone to change your life you are never too messy to have a message and that's why i started my podcast Ooh, that's a message right there <laughs> that's the message right there thank you for that and you know as creative um people it's so easy to sometimes get tied to the result of um sharing out your creativity but one thing i've come to realize is it's almost like um like a jar where you're pouring oil or you like even when you buy like a jar of oil and you pour it out even if you empty the jar like the jar still has oil all over inside of it so it would mm-hmm. never it would never run dry even if um maybe it's just about timing maybe it's just about the audience um whatever product you're working on or service you're trying to give it might just be a thing about timing and uh you know that's just what i could take from in terms of what you're saying about your course and everything but just listening to you talking about the mess and the message maybe it was just meant to be that you start your podcast now having this message build a following and then later on that would come on as an add-on to whatever gift or um specialty that you're offering with your service and your creativity or just giving it out to the world people get to have a feel of you listening to you just like now we're hearing you and it's amazing thank you Diana thank you you you're so welcome i think that you're definitely right where i looked back on my life like literally yesterday i looked back and i said you know what somebody asked on reddit if you could wake up at 5 years old with all the knowledge that you have now what would you change and i said you know what even though i could change my life i wouldn't because everything literally happened like a domino effect to get me to where i am today and is then taking to me taking me to where i need to be tomorrow in the future so everything in my life happened in the perfect way like god knew beforehand that the course would fail god knew that the marriage would fail god knew that all these things would happen to lead me to where he needed me to go and even now things are happening in my circle that god is preparing me to send me somewhere else so i definitely agree with you that timing god's perfect timing is perfect basically oh, yeah. and everything that he sets up it will be done in the way and the time that he sees fit not our timing but his timing yes definitely you're right you're right timing is everything and um so then how just tell me so i get what you're trying to say um with that and so d so what else has been different for you now you spent over 2 years in japan what else has been um or what else have you seen lately that has been different for you um i think all right so for me the biggest change or the biggest difference is definitely communication and um how they communicate to you so in japan there is a culture of the two faces and it is something that is in ingrained in them where they have two faces that they use 
one face is called Tatemae, which they sh- the face you show to the world. So when you come to Japan, they're like, ah, you know, welcome to our store. Let's help you. And they're smiling and they're giggling. This is the Tatemae. The Hone is the real face, how they really feel, which they don't show unless they're drunk or you're close to them. Mm-hmm. This is a face that, that they um, use to show you how they really feel. So to avoid, I guess what they're saying is to avoid you feeling bad or to avoid any confrontations, they use a tatemaya, which is the quote-unquote fake face. So <laughs> what happens is that you never really know how people feel about you because they don't tell you. They, if you are messing up something, you will never know until you get in trouble for it. Mm-hmm. Um, so that is difficult because I've had to tell people that, hey, in Jamaica, we don't have this two-faced thing. So please tell me how you're feeling. Please tell me so that I can fix it if something is wrong. Because I remember like my first two months here, I was doing a worksheet for a sixth grader in, when I still worked in public school. And we did the worksheet. It was fine. The teacher was like, oh my gosh, Jaina, that was an amazing worksheet. They loved it. La, da, da. I was like, oh, thank you. And then the next day, the principal came to me and said, um, the sixth grade teacher complained that the worksheet was too hard. And I said to him, wait, what? Like, that's not what he told me. So how, how am I supposed to know? Because I asked him if, and he said it was great. So why would he not tell me that he had a problem? This is where the Tatemaya and the Honme comes in. So instead of telling me, he told my supervisor, who then told me. That I'm still not used to to this day. And I try to to talk to when I, when I do talk to Japanese people, I try to tell them, hey, please tell me how you really feel so that you know we can have a good relationship. So that's still that for what foreigners, that's the biggest thing that kind of takes them off their up guard. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. That's also part of what inspired like this podcast because people can have access to resources like what you said so if anybody's going to work in japan just have that at the back of your mind <laughs> because you just may not know how people feel and um, it's the same thing too like even in some parts of north america where they they expect you to be very expressive and to say how you feel to speak your mind and you can imagine someone coming from japan who has like the two-faced thing and the person is not saying anything and then Maybe the person's co-worker feels, oh, you don't talk, you don't say anything, you're too quiet. Meanwhile, they don't know that this is how this person operates like back home. So it's definitely, it definitely takes a lot of learning and getting used to, um, irrespective of the culture or wherever you're in, just knowing differences where you are and um, where you're coming from. So, so what kind of advice would you give to anybody that is moving to Japan or moving, let me just say moving to a different country and they need to, or they're still trying to find their feet within the first few months. What what other advice would you give to them? My main advice would be to do not try to do it by yourself because a lot of us, when we go to new countries, we tend to want to do things on our own to get our feet wet and to kind of I don't know, seem independent. But what I've learned here is that I need help sometimes. When I didn't speak Japanese at all, I needed the help of my my coworkers and stuff who did speak both English and Japanese. And they really helped me to understand certain things about the culture and the lifestyle that I would not have understood if I had gone through it by myself. And I 
I would add to that is do your research. Like a lot of us, we, we watch anime or we watch different shows and we think that the country will be like the show and it is not like that in reality. So I would say to do your research and to, to understand exactly what you're getting yourself into so that when you do go to the country, you're not you're not blindsided by what you see there. So just do your do your research. There are good things that you're going to find out and there are bad things you're going to find out. But either way, just do your research and try not to go through this transition on your own because it can be lonely. But if you have help, you can do it. Hey, yes, definitely. You can do it. <laughs> Thank you, Dee. So, Dee, um, yes, so we can catch you on your podcast. She's a mess. And... Um, any other projects that you're working on would you like to share with us well i'm actually working on partnering with some nonprofits and interviewing some women from those organizations to develop my youtube channel so i along with my podcast she's a message you can catch new episodes every thursday every wednesday sorry every wednesday 5 a.m pst 9 p.m jst I'm also working on my YouTube channel, which is also She Is A Mess. And I'm just trying to really build awareness, help us change the conversation, how we talk about our lives, how we talk about our experiences. Let's change the way we see ourselves so that we can then work together to create a better future for ourselves and others. Okay. Thank you, Dee Jackson. It's such a pleasure to have you here. So check her out on her podcast and also on her YouTube channel. And her name, Deanna, is spelled D-A-E-Y-N-A Jackson. And yes. um, the podcast is called She's a Mess. So just type it out if you're not sure or look for her name and then you'll find out everything that she's all about. So how do I say bye in Japanese or how do I say thank you, actually? You say, arigatou gozaimasu. Oh, wow. <laughs> That's a mouthful. <laughs> so, yeah. I'll try. So, okay, let me try. Arigatou gozaimasu. Did I get it? Close, very close. So, very close. So, arigato gozaimasu is how you say thank you. And again, thank you. It is Dana Jackson. You can find me on Facebook as well. So, thank you so much, Domo. Um, it's been a, definitely a fun experience talking to you. And I look forward to your to the episode and to everything else. So, thank you. Thank you, Diana. I'll stay in touch. Everybody, remember, communication is your superpower to remain visible at work. I'll see you next week.